when I was growing up, I did not, I did not play sports. Okay, take it back. Eighth grade, uh, I played soccer. Uh, you talk about a very non-talented, non-sports family. None of us played sports. None of us were. I'm not going to say we weren't coordinated. That's not the right words. Uh, no, we weren't coordinated. I just, I don't know any other way to put it. <laughs> we were just like, me and uh, Pastor Dave and my brother, n- none of us played sports. Uh, except for me in eighth grade, I-, I played soccer. And that's the only history that we have ever had of being involved in sports. Uh, but when I was a kid, and for anybody that's known me any length of time, you've heard me tell some of this of my background. When I was a kid, uh, we went to Walmart. And uh, in front of Walmart was uh, a karate demonstration. And they, they literally lined all the students up, and, and, and they played the music, and they went out and did all the katas and the, the moves and breaking the boards and all this other stuff. And we were just like, Mom, we got to do this. And they had this program where you could sign up for 20 bucks and your kid got a uniform and, you know, your white belt and this, you know, the, the cheap uniform and all that other stuff. And during that time, does anybody know, could guess at like one of my all-time favorite movies as a kid during that time? Anybody want to guess? Karate Kid, okay. I mean, just the whole crane kick thing and all that stuff. And I'm telling you, it was one of the coolest movies ever. We watched it a hundred times. And then that with the karate demonstration. So we signed up and we got involved in karate. And so from being a kid, uh, I went it all the way from white belt to black belt. I, I was going for my second degree black belt. That's right. I just want you guys to be intimidated by me. <laughs> you know, I, 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 did, I just wanted to wear that black belt, get respect and everything. I got disappointed because nobody ever called me, you know, like anything cool. And then you guys know a few years ago, I went for my master's degree, and I was totally mixed up on that, of the understanding, because if you get a doctorate, they call you doctor. Well, I got a master's degree. I thought they'd call me Master Tony. <laughs> I was ready for it, Master Tony. It's just like, they said master's degrees don't work like that. So I was like, all that, all that study and work for nothing. I'm like, I believe that. Yeah, so... But, uh, but I, 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 I did a number of tournaments uh, growing up in karate, and towards uh, me having my black belt, when, we, when they do that, the black belts get like, just like Karate Kid, okay? That's one, uh, one stage in the middle, and you get these people, and they, nobody else, because when everybody else fights, they have ring, 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 but as you get up to the higher belts, then it's everybody in the center. So I get out there, and this dude was about six inches taller than me. I thought, it doesn't matter. Crane kick. I've seen the movie. I know what to do. And I just remember them going, you know, they put it in there and go, you know, one, two, three, fight. And then, then, then I jumped in there, and I just remember going out this guy, and bam, I got knocked out. <laughs> I mean, knocked out so hard. I don't even know how he hit me. I don't remember if he kicked me or punched me or whatever. All I know is they were just like waving me on the floor and pulling, and I'm like, I, I was like, I, I, I don't know what I was doing. I was contending, but I was not good at it. And my, my sensei, my, uh, my karate instructor, he said, he said, Tony, you went to do something. You dropped your arm. He saw it and just went right in for your face and knocked you out. And, and I'll tell you what, from that point on, I was extremely, like, gun-shy. I was hesitant to ever do that again and stuff like that. Well, then, 
uh, I, we moved down to Jacksonville, or not Jacksonville, uh, Pensacola, where I was going to college. And I told my mom, I'm going to finish my second degree. She goes, okay, okay. Got involved in college. There was no finishing anything at that point. All it was was school and work, and then karate became a thing of the past. Uh, but I, I, I learned firsthand what it meant to contend. And the, the, in the Bible, when he talked about in this passage about earnestly contending for the faith, just so you guys know, that's what he was talking about. It wasn't just a creative, creative illustration. He was saying, you're going to have to learn to fight for the faith. You're going to have to learn to fight for what you believe. And I'll explain that because I don't want there to be any misconceptions, uh, misunderstandings where anybody's saying, you've got you've to fight for your salvation. That's not what he's saying when the faith. And when I say earnestly contend for the faith, I'm talking about for the truths of God's word. That's what we're talking about. Um, so let me take you to Jude. So why Jude? Two main themes that we're going to find in 25 verses. Number one was to expose false teachers. Just so you guys know, they were back then and they're here today. And, and, and just so you know, a false teacher doesn't have to be somebody like saying, go worship Satan. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it doesn't have to be that extreme. For a false teacher is anything that's teaching something that's not true. Anything that's not true. And we've got to be aware of that because here uh, we, we fight with that every day where uh, whether it's in school uh, of learning about evolution or it's, it's, it's something extreme of somebody teaching a class and teaching other ways to heaven and things like that. It's those that mislead, those that water down. I'll explain that here in a minute. Or those that have other agendas. But then also the positive side of this is to encourage believers to contend for the faith and finish strong. I think that's important. Does anybody know what's after the book of Jude? Revelation. Revelation. And I know it's not that the, the, a lot of the Bible uh, chapters and um, are, are the books were not in chronological order, you know, um, of stuff, you know, like Job was earlier than a lot of the other books and stuff like that. So they're not in chronological order. But I do believe that in the, in the way that God put it on of Scripture, that it was intended for us to read the book of Jude to understand in times. Because right now, I'll tell you what we're fighting for is truth. We're fighting for truth. And I think it's important for us to understand, even if we are in last days, and I know we say that, we don't know. I mean, we see by the signs of the time, but I can't say he's coming back tomorrow. No man knows the day nor the hour. But I think the Bible gives us signs to be able to like, hey, things are changing. Wake up, see the signs, know that the time is near. And I think it's important for us to understand that we need to finish strong. Let me give you the theme verse of this in Jude 1.3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. This is that you should earnestly contend for the faith. It's this warning of the church written by Jude to the believers. And, and as he's saying this, you can just say... You can feel his passion. He's not just saying, hey, you need, you need to stand for truth. And he, he puts it in fighting terms. Literally, you need to earnestly contend for the faith. You, you need to get ready to fight. And all of these verses, 25 verses, lead up to this. And so the book of Jude is uh, it's powerful. It's simple. It's short. It's powerful. But standing for what's right. Because in the last times... Uh, there's a lot of things that are going to happen, but let me give you 1 Timothy 4.1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Okay, this is just, this is what's going to happen. This is, this is going to be a sign of the time. There's going to, 
giving heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils, spiritual warfare, speaking lies of hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. I, I just, in the last kind of... Uh, weeks and stuff. If anybody's on any kind of social media, if you sit and scroll and th- see things that are happening, uh, I, I see Christians, okay, Christians that are posting for, I don't know who the dude is that's coming out and that just had the interview with Joe Biden and all that. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? That's transgender and speaking out and he's documented his whole journey and they're making this huge thing about it. it, it he is a dude and he is speaking out. And I saw Christians saying, I'm so encouraged by his, her boldness and all this. I'm thinking, what are you doing? It's just shy. The world's going to do what the world's going to do, guys. But I'm, I'm talking about Christians that have been so seduced, confused, manipulated, whatever, to say, I'm, I'm applauding her, his step. In that, his step, his step. It's, it is what it is. Uh, I saw um, Christians during Roe versus Wade uh, arguing in the in the opposite direction. I'm like, I, I had to reread it and said, like, my body, my choice, and who are you, and all this other stuff. And I'm like, it's not about that. It's about the Word of God. It, it just comes. You know, I say the Word of God. Let's let's just say even even taking it, it's it's about contending for truth. That's what it is. I, I'm trying to get you guys to see application of this is coming in. I, I saw a video posted, and it was one of those uh, like uh, apologetic people that was posting and explaining this, and they should clip after clip from church services, church services, where they invited this one, and, and I know it was, I don't know what denomination, things like that, but this um, coming down to the front and had the kids come to the front. Maybe you guys, some of you saw this. Did you see that? The kids come down front, and then the priest or whoever, I couldn't tell what it was because it didn't label or whatever, uh, and I don't want to misinform, but then just had a drag queen come down and speak to the kids in, in the church, pulpit up there, choir loft in the past, and I'm like, oh, like what in the world? What in the world? And that's what Jude is about. This, this is absolutely what, and I know those are kind of extreme illustrations, but they are still illustrations. Jude. The very first word, Jude 1.1, the first word is Jude. He is the author. Does anybody know what his name actually was? Judas. Does anybody know why it's changed? <laughs> you know, it's right, right. Judas. Oh, let's back up. Jude. I like my nickname. You know, it's like... Right. Absolutely. Just to make that distinction, <laughs> it's like... Who wants to be associated with that name? But his Jude also was Judas. And uh, Jude's description of this, if you read it, he said the servant of Jesus Christ. You know what's so cool about that? Do you guys know who Jude's brother was? James. Do you know who else his brother was? Jesus. He was his half-brother. He, uh, he had four half-brothers. And so you got this. But he, I, I just love his introduction. You know how he could have started it? Jude. The half-brother of Jesus. <laughs> but he doesn't start off this way. He starts off, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James. He, he starts off, and he, the servant there is talking about a bondservant. He's somebody that he's given his life. I follow, I surrender. He's my master. I give my life as a servant of Jesus Christ. And Jesus' brothers and sisters did not follow Jesus as the Messiah from the very beginning. 
And, and so I think that's important to understand because this is something that he was convinced in his heart. It wasn't like, here's your brother, he's Jesus, he's the Messiah, and he just went with it. And so he wrote about this. No, he started out at the beginning not uh, believing this. John 7, 5, for neither did his brethren believe in him. So you have this from the very beginning of a transformation that he had that went from just like, I don't believe in him, right? You know, being convinced that this brother, because they grew up with him, was Jesus, the Son of God, all the way to, listen, I submit myself to the authority of this man that is the Lord Jesus Christ. The second description he gives is the brother of James. James is also the guy that wrote the book of James. Um, but uh, if you read in Matthew thirteen fifty five, it says, Is not this the carpenter's son? Is his, his mother called Mary and his brethren James uh, and Joseph, which is Joseph and Simon and Judas? Um, he's uh, described the, the family here. And, and Mark also tells us that he had sisters. Uh, it just says sisters. It doesn't go into naming names. So we know that was because of the plural there, there was at least two, uh, but they're not mentioned by names. Uh, but rather than emphasizing his personal relationship as the half-brother, he, he just simply made it as the point that he's a servant of Jesus Christ. Uh, and he was giving glory to God for this. But it was written to believers. Now, let's break this down. Written to the sanctified by God, by the Father. Who knows what the word sanctified means? You guys help me out there. What does the word sanctified mean? Set apart. Set apart. Literally means I was in the world and God pulled me out of the world to be set apart. I'm sanctified. What's a way that you would describe sanctified or set apart? Purified. Sanctification, living out sanctification, absolutely. Different, changed, all those different things at the, at the very beginning. Because the, the, the idea of the world is it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Well, like somebody teaches something, well, it doesn't matter. Or I, I don't want to argue that. Or that, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, it says to those that are preserved in Jesus Christ, saved, kept, preserved, eternally saved, what... What God does of keeping his saints, he does through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. So he's sanctified and preserved. He's talking about those that are kept in God. <clears throat> if you have any questions about that, and I'd love to have a conversation with you to understand what that means. And then it says to the called. The called is talking about mission. He, he's just so everybody knows as he's talking about standing for truth. He's literally saying all of us are called to contend for the faith. It's not pastors and preachers and missionaries that we finished our missions month and like, well, those are the fighters for the gospel. No, we're all called. If you are the saved, you are the preserved, you are the called. Called to do this. Called to the mission. He says, mercy be unto you and peace and love be multiplied. It's a general greeting talking about let, let all the things of God be bestowed upon you. Things that are missing today. People say, I don't have peace or I don't have all these things. Man, if you've gotten away from the authority of God's word, then you're standing in a place that is unblessed by God. You, you want to live in the presence of God and what he has. So that was his greeting, but his plea is this. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto, you by, unto all the saints. The, the word beloved literally means a term of endearment as if he's talking to brothers and sisters in Christ. It's important. If you were going to correct somebody, 
and people are getting away, and that's what's happening. You're letting people slip in. These things are wrong, and he's confronting it. It's important to speak the truth how? In love. So just so you know, we're getting an example of this. Speak the truth, do it in love. So he starts off saying, hey, guys, we need to earnestly contend for the faith. We need to stand up. We need to get serious about this. But he starts off with the beloved, a term of endearment. Guys, even with Christians, we've got to teach. Uh, treat each other as, as brothers and sisters in Christ and, and not those people I go to church with. You know, you know what I'm saying? Because we should. In, in this thing of contending for the faith, there's going to be conversations that you have to have with people. You, you know what I'm saying? Iron sharpened iron. Go to them. Just say, hey, I saw you post something. I'd love to talk to you about it. Not, not this. You know, like, how horrible are you? You know, it's like, what does that solve? Nothing. It never, actually, all it does is fire people up and push them in the opposite direction. It never fixes anything. Beloved, when I gave all diligence, that word diligence is literally just, I, I, I was passionate about this. Man, I, you weren't going to hold me back from doing this. Of the common salvation, this is applied to all of us. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend. The earnestly contend. And this phrasing of this is only used this one time in the gospel or in the, in the Bible at all. Uh, it, is, it is from the Grecian games. It is the same way as I use the opening illustration of me being in karate. Uh, honestly, in their days, if Paul was talking, he was, usually, he was literally using an illustration of the same context of that. He was talking about fighting, and, and, and everybody, their minds were wrapped there. Oh, I know what that is, and I understand that the Grecian games, to have determination to win competing or fighting or giving it all you've got, holding nothing back. The word contend comes from the word that means to struggle. It's a struggle. Put your kids in school. It's going to be a struggle. Try, trying to like, well, they go to this church and they don't believe this. And, and why do we have to do And we're, we're going to live. How do we live sanctified? I mean, even that today is like, I want to blend in. What's wrong with it? And everybody else does it. No, stop right there. Stop right there. We, we, live, we live differently. doesn't mean that we have to be weirdos, but it does. So maybe we should be weirdos. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> uh, we, we did a, a Bible study in my life group. It was called Weird. <laughs> it was just talking about how we're weird. It, it says to compete for a prize, to contend with an adversary, to endeavor to accomplish something. I think let that sink in. Guys, what, what are we accomplishing? It's the gospel. It's reaching people. It's Columbus, Ohio. It is, I, I, I'm, I'm endeavoring to compete something. And you know, it's Satan is after to water down the word that we have. Well, you say, how far are we on the timeline? We're already there. It's just not America. You guys know what I'm saying? It's, it's, people are dying to do what we're doing right now. And just talking about how far would you go about fighting for it, you know. <clears throat> but, but it's going to come to that. It, it already is there. Yeah. Uh, doing and, and if you're not convicted, you know, we talk about living with personal conviction. Uh, my favorite definition of conviction literally is just being fully convinced. I, I'm, I'm, I'm fully convinced. Literally, if you're going to try to push me around and tell me to deny this or you can't do this or whatever, no, you're, I'm sorry, you can't do that. I've been fully convinced by the gospel in my heart. I, I can't back off. But you think about how subtly this is going to start. 
in America, I don't think they're going to start by pulling pastors out of the pulpit and, and, and beheading them or whatever. Do you know how it's going to start? You guys ready for this? <clears throat> you are no longer tax exempt if you keep preaching that, those kind of truths. Right. And that's going to separate, you know, the Christians from whatever, because how easy would it be just to be like, you know, reading through the scriptures and getting to a passage and going just, you know, like, whoops, okay, let's keep, you know, just skip over stuff. Yeah. It's like I'm not preaching whatever, but the Bible has called us to preach the full counsel of God. Amen. It, we're not to skip around things. E even with the study tonight, do, do you know what I'm going to talk about after verse 2? Verse 3. <laughs> and, and whatever, come what may. And it doesn't matter if, if it offends anybody because it's not... All we are is messengers of the gospel. And if, if the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, and I, I start backing off on that, then, then I'm, I, I lose the power of the gospel because that's what grows out and convicts and changes lives. And so it, it, absolutely, it's, it's going to come down to it. And it's going it's to be interesting to see the people that are rather just skip topics because of the fact is that it's just going to be too much headache for the church to cause too many problems with that. It's, but Jude was literally saying to this, he said, it's important that you understand that you fight for not only for what you love, but you fight for what is right, for the faith. And, like, and let me just reiterate this. I, for the faith in this passage does not mean uh, like your, your faith in Jesus Christ when it comes to, um, it, it's talking about what you believe, not, not you're acting out of faith. Does that make sense? It's, it's talking about... Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That, that is your faith, not like, Lord, I have faith in you. Does that make sense? There's a difference of the action of faith and what you believe in. This is talking about you're fighting for truths of what is right. Faith is what we believe, what we believe in the God's word, uh, what we know can't change. And so here's an important thing. Let me just point this out. You can't defend or stand for what you don't know. And, and I think that is important because... The idea of Bible study of what we're doing right now, and this is what I feel like is a modern trend, and I'm not saying this is, is all bad, but there needs to be a balance of this, where people come to church to just be encouraged. Is there anything wrong with going to church to be encouraged? But there should also be where I go to church to be convicted. There, there needs to be a balance of that, just like... If you come in and just say, I just need something from Jesus today to make me feel good. You know, like, we all need that. I, I, I read in my devotions every day, Lord, give me something today to kind of help me, you know, to encourage me with what I'm going through with Logan and stuff. And, and sometimes God will just drop. I, I did this, Psalm 78, my goodness, wow, just so powerful. I, I've read it two, three times. It's just so encouraging. Anyways, if you read it, you're going to be like, what? How is that encouraging? Another mess for another time. Well, being convicted is I'm off track and I, things are not right. I just want to feel good. And God says, let me put you on track. And things are going to be good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's what he does. But th there's so many that were in this passage or in this time that was losing the battle and so he was talking about their opposition, okay? There are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. They didn't come in being like, I'm a false prophet. I'm here to deceive the church, you know? They don't wear a badge. They don't have a t-shirt or a hat that says these kind of things. 
Uh, Satan is so subtle with what he does. He's so subtle with what he does. Um, he says before were ordained to condemnation. They, they were warned about this all through the Bible, and especially the perilous times would come. Jesus talked about the tares among the wheat, talking about how to separate them and things like that that would happen, false prophets and deceivers. And, and I, I think that there's, there's a lot where it turns into making money or, or you know, not saying things or twisting things or, or, or presenting things in such a way that it won't be offensive and things like that. It's, it's all part of it. Jude keeps calling them out in the book. Now, you know, let me just read this off to you. You'll see this as we go. Verse 8, he calls them dreamers. Verse 12, he calls them spots and blemishes. Verse 12, he calls them waterless clouds and fruitless trees. They don't produce anything. Verse 13, he, he called them uh, uh, wandering stars and, and all these different... He, he's literally just saying about how, how much they mess up staging. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, Wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Does anybody want to take a stab at what that's talking about? Yeah, yes. It, 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 is, it is hell. It is, it is outer darkness. It is separation. And God's, he's, it, it, I don't think it's like they've messed up and I'm going to send them to hell. It's an absence of Jesus Christ that sends them to hell. It's an absence of their sin being dealt with. But in this passage, he's still reiterating, saying that this is the work of darkness. This is satanic. This is evil. For us to just breeze over this and not explain it in this way is not right. There are certain men crept in unawares who were before old ordained to condemnation. Ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. I don't know if I said that right. We're just going to go with it. Lasciviousness. Let's say it as a group. <laughs> Denying only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Two things that he talked about. Turning the grace of our God into that L word is lasciviousness. It's talking about they watered down sin. You know, it's, and, and so just so you guys know, when he talked about they're going to come in and do this, or whether they're on the radio selling books, podcasts, I don't care if it's YouTube, and it's everywhere, okay? Before you had to wander into a, uh, a false doctrine church to find this. Now all you have to do is pull out your cell phone. And there's the ads and this and popularity, and this is cool. And, and I'm not saying that every TV evangelist out there is wicked. I can tell you there's a lot of them that are, are powerful preaching the truth and standing the gospel and things like that. So don't, I, I know some people, they label anybody that's popular as evil, okay? I'm not doing that whatsoever, okay? Uh, judge them according to scripture, not according to the opinion or their popularity. But they watered down sin. Uh, can, can I just hit this, just be transparent and real with this, that lasciviousness is talking about filthy wantingness, desire lustful things. It is talking about sex and immorality. It's talking about anything that is, is, is uh, taking God's name in vain, watering down sin, saying these things don't matter, uh, sins of abortion, all these things. It's just anything that appeals to the flesh where I want to do it and I don't see anything wrong with it. And somebody comes up and says, I agree with you. It can be fornication in, in popularity today that we live together. I mean, that's so popular today. And I, I'll be honest, from just a pastor's perspective, it's just as popular in church today as it is out of the church. 
And, but you know what? If you never hear it from the pulpit, nobody ever says anything about it, then, then it's just, it, there's no conviction about that. I, I've personally known people that I, and you guys know it, even the last six months that I've preached messages on this about what the Bible says. People that were coming and they stopped coming after that. Not that I was trying to run them off, but when I got to 1 Corinthians and we we're talking about different and we did that series, I wasn't going to skip it. We can't skip it. Because if our kids don't hear what is right and wrong and they just adapt to it, that's what everybody else does. We're putting them on a wrong path. Satan loves to pick them apart as they go down that wrong path. You get to the point where there's nothing wrong with anything. You know what I'm saying? I've, I've, I've heard people just with everything, with everything, it's just like, what's wrong with it? What's wrong with it? What's wrong with it? They, they, they call evil good and good evil. It's just, that's what they're doing. It's just, they've kind of flipped it. And, and, and I hear that so much. And, and, and I say, and guys, listen, I, sometimes we're, we're constantly saying things, this younger generation, let me tell you, it's any generation. And by, by not speaking up truth, we're just as guilty. Because we're called, who are the called to, to contend for the faith. And if there's nothing wrong with anything, I, I don't ask anymore the question, what's wrong with it? Well, the question we should be asking is what's right with it. We're called to righteousness, right? We should be asking the question, no, I'm not asking you what's wrong with it. I'm going to ask you what's right with it. I, I'll ask it another way. How does this glorify God? How, where does the Bible say this? What does the Bible say for or against this? And, you know, and things like that. that. That's the bigger question that I want to ask. I'm not called not to be wrong. I'm called to righteousness. And there is a difference. I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to get close to the edge and just because I, I, I can. They were perverting the doctrines of divine grace of God is what they were doing. They were justifying fleshly lust. They were teaching others to do the same. And I know there's grace. Guys, don't get me wrong. There's grace. But in Romans 1, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God forbid that we live that way. We are to live different because we've been set free from sin. So it says, and denying only Lord God, only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. They watered down sin, but they also placed doubt about salvation and denying Jesus as God. And, and I think this is another thing that is, is important to understand, that there is only one way to heaven. And, and that is, it is the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't ever let, let us, anybody take the blood out of the songs Say, well, the world doesn't understand. Well, they need to understand. And the church is a good place to learn about it. When they come here to learn about the, the blood of Jesus Christ and, and, and where the, it was on the cross, it was brutal, it was gross, it was disgusting, it was all of the above. It wasn't a beautiful thing at all. But by the way, neither is the sin. It's not a beautiful thing. And the pain and the wages of sin is not a beautiful thing. And so we have the display of that. And so they might not come out and say, I don't believe in Jesus, because Satan is smarter than that. You know what I'm saying? No, nobody's going to get on TV and say, there's another way other than Jesus. But when you emphasize salvation as just a, a better life, you know what I'm talking about? Your best life and this and that, all this. No, 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 no. It's about Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ, repenting of your sin, and he's the only way, the truth, and the life. You got to spell it out for what it is. It's not just a focus on being good. It's a focus on the fact that we're lost in sin, and we need Jesus. Um, according to verse 4, these Christian casualties were deceived by dropping their guard and to get into the matter that doctrine doesn't matter. 
Because I'm going to tell you right now, doctrine matters so much. It matters so much. And in any church, if God ever moves you to another city, one of the first things you do before you see how cool their kids' program is, what is their doctrinal statement? What do they believe about salvation? What do they believe about the blood of Jesus Christ? What do they believe about marriage? What do they believe about all those things? That all matters. Uh, let me just say this. Bible study matters. What we're doing right now is so vitally important. Proclaiming the truth on Sunday morning from the pulpit and saying, thus saith the Lord, but also having times like this that we just take our Bibles and we break these things down. That matters. Uh, he uses three illustrations of this, and we'll, we'll get ready to finish this up. Uh, three illustrations of the consequences of rejecting God. Now, what, what I want to do with all three of these illustrations, not what I want to do, what the Bible is doing, is talking about how they started off at a place of understanding and how they drifted. Okay, that's what all three of these things are. And remember, what we're talking about is contending for the faith, as he was talking about just, it's not just about starting right, it's about finishing right. It's, it's about waiting till Jesus comes and help letting him find us faithful when he does come. When he says, well done, done, literally means you finish well, thou good and faithful servant. The first illustration is the children of Israel. I will therefore put into remembrance, though you once knew this, how the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed them that believed not. He said, can I remind you of an illustration? He said, remember the salvation of God that reached in there and showed the 10 plagues, brought them through the Red Sea, delivered them, and how they, those ones besides their kids, did not enter into the promised land. They didn't because they ended up turning their hearts towards God. And, and that's the same illustration of this, of how many people will start off right and believe in churches. Okay, let's just make application of this. How about churches that start off right and slowly getting off? Because of the fact is, what is success in America when it comes to church? What is success? Numbers, filling the, you know, and don't get me wrong. The Bible talks about they were saved and added to the church. I want to see people in the seats. I want to see people saved. I want to see people come through there. But you can, there's a difference between having a crowd and having a church. There's a big difference between a crowd and a church. Because a church is those that are blood-bought and saved and, and, and um, bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. They died in the wilderness. And he's just talking about their kids were the only ones that entered into the promised land. And in, in, in Revelation 2015, even says, according to the New Testament, whosoever was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the book, uh, lake of fire. It doesn't matter if I grew up in church. It's how you end. Did you accept the Lord? Was your name written in the Lamb's book of life? That's what matters. Also, the angels that rebelled and the angel which kept them, not their first estate, but left their own habitation and reserved for into everlasting chains under the darkness, under judgment of that great day. When Satan rebelled, he took a third of the angels with him. So what, what happened? At the beginning of it, they were all there. They're praising God. They made a choice, and they ended up in condemnation because they turned away from God. It's the same thing. Um, side note, because this is in here, he hath reserved an everlasting chains under darkness into the judgment of the great day. Does anybody know what that's talking about? Uh, the great day of judgment is coming and tribulation and all that. Um, and then Sodom and Gomorrah, even as Sodom and Gomorrah, as the cities about like manner, giving themselves over to fornication. They didn't start off that way. Can I ask you guys, did Lot start off that way? No, no absolutely not. Actually, he was with Abraham, and then they had a problem over the land, and they split ways. 
And Abraham even stepped back and said, you choose first. He gave him every opportunity to do that. Gave over to fornication and going after strange flesh. Fornication was sexual sin. Strange flesh was taking it to another level. That's what the Bible talks about, even uh, uh, homosexuality and those things. And set forth as an example of suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Vengeance, justice, making the wrongs right. That's what he's talking about this. Because every one of them was a slow fade. Every one of them started off right and went in the wrong direction. Now you guys know why. Why is Jude so important? As he's talking about earnestly contending for the faith. Do you know what compromise is? If you guys like Casting Crowns, a lot of you like Casting Crowns. They have a number of songs about this, the slow fade. It's what it is. It's just one step in that wrong direction. It's the slow fade. You know, nobody just jumps off the cliff, you know, with David and Bathsheba. He didn't just, that didn't just happen overnight. If anybody went to Sight and Sound, they, they did a whole scene about that. Luke 1.8, Jude was fighting for truth. And he says, likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil dignities. Uh, filthy dreamers, which their minds and goals were, were brought and drawn into another direction. Uh, it, it's not just a matter of that they, they just got off. And guys, even in church, you'll have people that will say or do things and be like, oh man, I didn't understand that passage and I said that wrong. But he's talking about they defile the flesh. It's, it's, it corrupts. And that's what you have to understand. Satan's never about just like confusing He's out to do things that corrupt, defile the flesh, and, and comparing it to Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's, it's, that should stir us up. It, should, it, it, it hurts your families. Guys, how, how well did Lot do running out of the city with his kids? I mean, that's a powerful story in of itself, powerful thing. Can you imagine as he said, and if you go through the story about him going through the city, knocking on the doors, you guys know what I'm talking about? Compelling them, and they, they laughed at him. It was a slow fade that got him to the point where his kids had completely adapted to the city and the set around them and, and, and lost the conviction or even understanding of God. It says despise dominion, that, that is uh, dominion or government or authority over their life. It's just like, I'll do my own thing. I'm my own person. Isn't that the theme of today? I, I, I'm, it's my own body, my choice, my, my life, my money. You know, and that's why when I preached on the preeminence of God a couple of weeks ago, it's not. God comes first in everything, and it doesn't work if God doesn't come first. And then speaking evil dignities. It literally is talking about pulling down the glory of God. God's not glorified whatsoever when we sit there and water down truth and people start doing their own way. God doesn't give the glory. God gets glory by husbands and wives living honorable unto God, raising kids to respect authority, respect God, to be faithful, to go to a job, be honest, show up on time, be respectful, be honest, live in integrity, to you know, all those things. It's, that's what glorifies God. So what happens of this is churches lose their power. Churches lose their power. There's no more conviction. There's no true worship. There's no true change in anything. Churches begin to lose their power. And in, in what God has said, and I say all the time, without God, we can do nothing. You can have a church service and you can entertain, entertain and you can pull them in. But without the Spirit of God working through the truth of God's Word, nothing truly is happening in the hearts of people. So let me just leave off with verse 9 because I just want to 
tease your brain a little bit. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. That is just a cool verse, and you're like, what? <laughs> it's like the archangel fighting with the devil, fighting over the body of Moses. It's, come back next week. We'll dive right into it. That's where we'll start next week. 